chapter 2 because really I'm like, okay, because so, everything we do in this church, I don't want it to ever be a step backwards. I want it to be a step forward. I don't want us to go backwards. I want us to go forward. I'm not wanting us to get less spiritual. I'm wanting us to get more spiritual. Hallelujah. I don't want us to do less praying. I want us to do more praying. I don't want us to do, I, I don't want us to have less word. I want us to have more word. Hallelujah. But, you know, we have, God set some things up in the book of Acts. And so I'm sitting there in my heart thinking and wondering and just saying, okay, Lord, you don't want to go forward. I want to, I want to make sure we're going forward. And it was like the Holy Ghost just answered me immediately and said, um, uh, <clears throat> sometimes you have to let go of things you love. And I love prayer and we, I love uh, some other things, lots of other things we do, love it. But you have to let go of some things you love in order to have, uh, really to go to the next level, to go where God wants us to be as a church. And so that was the thought was coming. And immediately when I had that thought, I thought of these scriptures over in Acts chapter 2 about what the early church, uh, what they did. And if you look there in verse 42, verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, praise God for the word. We thank you, Lord. For the holy written word of God. So I believe, and you know, I, and so I got this and I was meditating on it. I even talked about pastor, talked about it and pastors coming to church. But I'm not thinking anything about it. But just sitting there while we was praising and worshiping. It was like, I felt like the Lord said, you know, no, now that's what you're not supposed, that's what you're supposed to talk about tonight. And I'm like, yeah, but I got this healing teaching and I really like it. And he was like, no, but that's what you're supposed to talk about tonight. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I believe this is good. So we'll talk about it. Now I had notes at home because at five o'clock I made notes on it. I thought, well, this is good. I'm going to write this down. I might want to teach it sometime. I even went to my computer and looked up a few words in Strong's, the Strong's Concordance on my computer, looked up a few things about what this meant. So I'm going to have to do this by the Holy Ghost and with your help. So if somebody get out a piece of paper, uh, you can help me. Because you'll, I'll know when, because in, in Acts chapter 2, well, I'm not going to tell you that because you'll start looking. So let's read it first. It says in verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so what the Holy Ghost just brought to my heart, he said, you know that there's six activities. So y'all can write that down because you're going to have to write them down for me, make sure I get them. There are six activities in this, this passage of scripture that the early church participated in and there are six attitudes that the, whole, that the, that the early church had. In these, uh, and so six activities of the early church and six attitudes. Hallelujah. And it was a blessing to them. And so if we can incorporate these six attitudes and six activities, and I believe that's what God's uh, about in us starting this new program on Wednesday night, kind of redoing some things, is to bring us a balance in the church. Because if you agree with me, I believe you'll agree with me on this, that in our type of churches, Word of Faith, Charismatic type of churches, we've had tremendous emphasis is on the Word of God, and it's good. But sometimes, even to the 
to the point where we have not, we've not put any emphasis on some other things, you know. And we've also, in Word of Faith churches, had good emphasis on praise as a general rule. We've always kind of put that up. But in many circles, and, and even our church until I'd say about two years ago, we were hardly putting any emphasis on prayer. And even now, as a total congregation, that is not really where we, we don't have a real good balance in, in putting some emphasis on prayer as we do some of the other things that we do in our lives. And, and then if you go out into the denominational circles, they kind of have their emphasis on some other things. They have the emphasis, of course, on the, the, the word, uh, more on the salvation, some places are more on the salvation word than on doctrine. But then they have their emphasis, it seems to me, for at least it did when, it, it might not be this way, but when I I was there. It seemed to me that their emphasis was more on fellowship. They put a lot of emphasis on fellowship. I don't ever remember any emphasis on prayer. I don't. I know there wasn't any emphasis on praise, at least not as we see praise. I mean, if you praised, you were supposed to praise silently and in your heart, you know, and uh, and do most of your praying that way too, silently and in your heart. And uh, so you, uh, we haven't had a good balance in the body of Christ of all of these things, and all of these things have a part. And it seemed to me that's what the Holy Ghost was saying to me that all of these have a part, and all of them are important. And without a, without all of them, you you don't really get what you uh, what you need and what, what you need to get. And so in verse 42, let's start looking at some of these. And the first thing I noticed that was one of their attitudes was, it says they continued steadfastly, is they had an attitude of steadfastness. In other words, that was one of their attitudes. It's like, we're not quitters. We just They just kept on keeping on. Kept on, kept on, kept on, kept on keeping on. Hallelujah. I think we pretty much passed the test on steadfast attitude. I mean, there's always room for improvement, but we, we have embraced having a steadfast attitude. And then uh, one of their activities was apostles' doctrine, and that would be teaching. That would be the teaching of the Word. And so that was one of the main activities of the early church was the apostles' doctrine and the teaching of the Word. And then it says, and in breaking of bread. And right there, that breaking of bread is actually talking about the showbread. It's talking about communion there. And, uh, you know, probably we haven't had the emphasis over on communion that we need to have. Now, in the Baptist church I came out of, you had communion once a quarter. And that's probably the reason that me and Pastor, you know, we'd love to have communion more. But honestly, sometimes we just don't even think of it. You know, it's like, we know, so we need to get more balance in having more communion, I really believe. Uh, <clears throat> I believe there's such a power in communion. Now, I do not discount the power of communion. I believe you can get healed in communion, that there's healing power. I believe, like Perry Stone said in that book he wrote, it is the meal that heals. And there's many times I take communion at home, so, but, you know, just corporately, that would be something that we could be stronger in, okay? And so uh, let's do that. Let's get stronger uh, in communion. Praise God, that could be even a ministry for somebody. And then, uh, and then in prayers, there's another activity. So there we have three activities right there in the first verse. The teaching of the word, communion, and prayer. And so that's three main activities of the early church. And then fear came upon every soul. So another, there's an attitude. And the, the second attitude we see there is a fear of Almighty God, a fear of God, a reverential fear of God. Uh, was on them. <laughs> Hallelujah. And upon every soul. 
and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And so another activity they had was signs, wonders, or we could say miracles. They had miracles. That was one of their main activities. Well, how many of you would believe that we need to get that more as an activity of the church, that we ought to be having uh, uh, lots of miracles all the time, constant testimonies of miracles. That's what we're pressing towards as a church, and we're pressing toward it in our prayers. Hallelujah. And so that was one of their main activities. Uh, then as we go on, uh, it says, and all that believed were together. There's an attitude there that that church had a believing attitude. There were, it was not an unbelieving atmosphere. It was not an unbelieving atmosphere, but a believing atmosphere. We know it had to be a believing atmosphere or there wouldn't have been those signs, wonders, and miracles because signs, wonders, and miracles do not happen in unbelieving atmospheres. We know that because Jesus, when he was in his own hometown of Nazareth, it says a prophet is without honor in his own hometown and that Jesus could do there no mighty works at, uh, uh, except that he healed a few sick folk and he said, the reason he couldn't, he said he marveled at their unbelief. So the unbelief of the people, and, 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 and when you don't have honor for someone, that's just a manifestation of unbelief. That the root cause of not having honor for someone is, uh, uh, and, it, and he didn't have honor, it said, among his own family, his own kin. It names about three groups. And sometimes it's really hard for family to have honor for the gift of God because they, um, not because the gift of God is messed up because we know Jesus had not messed up in front of his family, but just because it was family. Family. And so we, you know, that's something you'll have to contend for and fight for uh, where family is concerned. And even in this church, uh, because anytime you have a small atmosphere, you tend to have less honor for the pastor, the minister, the apostles and prophets. You tend to have less honor because you get too familiar when you, when you have a big church of 10,000 and you can't even talk to the pastor. In fact, you can't counsel with the pastor. You can't, he's not even going to talk to you on the phone. You'll only see him from a pulpit from, you know, a hundred yards away because they're not, you know, praise God. And there's going to be two bodyguards between you and him. We tend to have all for the, that minister. And why? I don't know. Because many times, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible actually says that you are to know those that labor among you. And so many times the congregation has no clue of the real lifestyle of that minister. And, you know, so they're just, but it's more like a Hollywood rock star all instead of a really true uh, honor because someone lives their life right and someone, uh, uh, oh, hallelujah, does the works of God. And uh, so, uh, so it says they had a believing attitude. And it says, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. So uh, another uh, one of their activities was giving. So you can write down giving under their activities. Now, how many activities do we have wrote down? Five activities and how many attitudes? Three attitudes. Okay, we'll work on that. And uh, it says, and they were continuing daily with one accord. So there's another attitude of unity. They had an attitude of unity in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat. And so here is another breaking bread. Now, God's not simply being repetitive. If you look at this in the Greek, it says, uh, it actually says this way, breaking, oh, let me, no, I got to get back over here and look at it. It says, it says, 
it says, uh, breaking bread. No, it doesn't. It says, uh, anyway, the house to house is the, the house to house part is uh, a real emphasis is put on that. And the, and the, and the, and the, actually the emphasis is over on did eat their meat. And it talks about their, in the Greek, it says their daily rations. That's what I'm trying to say. It said their daily rations. So this is talking about not communion, but this one's talking about they ate together. They actually ate together, so that's another activity. We might could put that one under fellowship, possibly should have. I don't know. But anyway, that's an activity of the early church. Now, we've also probably been weak to, on that, especially if you, if you take it for real and say house to house. How many? We're too busy. We're all too busy. And so we don't get the fellowship we need. And fellowship, one thing about fellowship is fellowship makes your face strong. Hallelujah. Fellowship strengthens you in the faith, especially when your fellowship is not around, well, we all went to the football game together, but when your fellowship is around talking about what Jesus is doing in your life and talking about the Word and discussing the Word and saying, okay, what does this mean? And did you ever see this scripture? And, and you know, what do y'all think that means? And, and when you start fellowshipping like that, you'll find your faith will zoom. You'll get very strong because we encourage one another. Is it in Ephesians where it says that? Where we encourage one another in the Lord, hallelujah, and that's one of the reasons so many of us faint and are weak is because we don't get that encouragement one another in the Lord. We get a general encouragement from the, from the pulpit, but just to that one-on-one -on -one encouragement. And that one-on-one -on -one support, that one-on-one, -on -one, somebody putting their arm around you. So, you know, just we do well when we are in community. We do well when we know that somebody knows, that somebody understands. You know, I always want pastor. I want to tell him my problem, and I don't want him to try to solve it, which is men, men, men tend to want to conquer problems and solve them. It's like, no, I just want you to understand how I feel. I don't, and so, and so we get that though in community in the body of Christ and plus then we can do what James says we can pray for one another that you may be healed but so many times we're too busy that nobody even knows we're having a stand of faith and that we need prayer we need somebody to strengthen us I know there's been times before Miss Jean when I've told her something going on in my life and you know she don't say a lot but she said you know she said she'll say you know it's gonna be all right and you can't imagine how powerful it's going to be all right can be in your life. It's just like it can give you that strength to say, okay, it's going to be okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the power of the body of Christ being together is so powerful. Amen. Now I'm doing pretty good with, for without notes, aren't I? Hallelujah. Praise God. The Holy Ghost is so good. So breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness. There's another attitude. Man, I'm hot, Anita, and you're cold. Hallelujah. I'm just whew, glad. I ought to let you have the microphone. Hallelujah. Gladness, gladness, gladness. There's another attitude. Write that down. They were really happy. And singleness of heart, I believe that just goes back up there under unity. Singleness of heart, hallelujah. Although we could expound on that and make it another one. And then praising God. So that's another one of their, uh, their activities was praising God. I bet I got seven activities, don't I? Well, that's because that other one, what was that last one? Eating together in fellowship are supposed to be one. Well, you can't have fellowship without eating, so you know that's true. Hallelujah. That's just about impossible, isn't it? 
Hallelujah. In Pentecostal and Baptist churches, it is impossible. Amen. So we, if you're on fellowship, you've got to eat. Amen. So, uh, so we, uh, we do have six. Now, okay, let's, let's go over the six activities. Okay, the first one is the teaching of the Word, right? And then uh, uh, and fellowship. Is that the second one? And communion. Is that the third one? Is that, am I doing okay? I'm not doing okay? That's okay. I said, I said teaching and fellowship. Is that right? Okay, I miss fellowship. Fellowship's in there about three times, okay? But that's the first fellowship right there. Okay, apostles' doctrine, fellowship, okay, put it wherever you want to, communion, prayers, hallelujah, miracles, praise God, giving, number six, hallelujah, and praising. What well, we get seven anyway we go, hallelujah. Okay, seven activities of the church. We could probably come up with seven attitudes too if we wanted to. So this would make a really good teaching. Okay, the attitudes that they had were, uh, they had a steadfast attitude. They had a reverential fear of God, praise God. They had a believing attitude. They had a giving attitude. I didn't give you that one. It says in the one version, it says they were generous. In the Amplified, it says they were generous. So they had a generous attitude or a giving attitude. Generous, we could say. Uh, hallelujah. They were in unity. That's number five. And they had happiness or gladness of heart. Okay, so we got six attitudes. Did everybody get those? So that's how the early church was. And so uh, I believe what God's going trying to do in leading us to go a little bit different direction on Wednesday night is he is trying to bring us to a place of balance and so that we have all of these things in the church. And one of the reasons for having the putting the putting an emphasis over some of these things we've neglected a little more is I know back in uh, May or June, the Lord gave me a sermon. I hadn't got to preach it yet, but he gave me this message about how he, in these last days and for what's coming on the earth, that we needed to draw very close together as a church. Well, that one way we'll get to do that is on Wednesday night, we'll have a time to draw very close together. Amen. Praise God. And so these, these people were close. The Bible says that they were daily. Say daily. daily. Uh, let me find where I can find that. Hallelujah. 46. And they continuing daily. Daily. I, I know I, one thing the Lord has me praying about is daily. I really have a, a compulsion about daily prayer. You know, I've been praying for several years, back to 2002. I've been praying for a move of God in prayer. And I didn't know, I thought I was just praying for this church. I didn't know that God wanted a move of God in prayer throughout the whole church body. But you know, God has been doing that. And I just like about in the last year discovered it's like there's this major move of God in prayer going on in the earth. And then even this year, it seemed like it escalated because last June, uh, uh, Billy Bram in her prayer mountain in the Ozarks where they pray every Sunday afternoon, well, uh, she heard a word from heaven. The Lord spoke to them. They were praying for the elections and the Lord spoke to them clearly 
and just, you know, boldly and said, no man can save America. Said only an awakening can save America and no man can help Israel. Only an awakening will help Israel. And so, uh, and she said from that time on after he spoke, they could never really get an unction or anointing to pray for the election. Could not really, and even they always have a they have a, a prayer four day meeting every the end of every October up in uh, Branson and in a big hotel ballroom. Pastor and I went one year, and so because of it's always at the end of October. Well, on election year, it falls right before the election, and usually there is just a lot of prayer and a lot of utterance comes forth about the election, but nothing would come forth this year. God just would not take hold with them about the election and he wouldn't take hold with them about uh, the nation in that sense. But they did pray extensively uh, for an awakening to come to America. Now there are a lot of places where 24-hour prayer is going on. In fact, there are uh, back several years ago, and I'm just now kind of really figuring out about this, although i kind of heard it but never paid much attention to it. Uh, a man named Mike Bickle, Bickle, by direction of the Holy Ghost, started at what he calls International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri. And for whatever you think about that, they're having tremendous uh, prayer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, and, and people are moving there from all over uh, the United States and all over the world. In fact, they have taken over the realist. There was an article about it in Tuscaloosa News about a month ago on the Saturday paper, I believe. It might have been Sunday. And it was... Uh, uh, and it talked about how uh, they have taken over the real estate market of that city. Practically everybody now in that little suburb of, is, of Kansas City uh, is... Uh, uh, affiliated with International House of Prayer. And then they have gone and now there's many International Houses of Prayer in other cities throughout. And uh, so um, so God is doing this move of God in prayer. I don't want to be left out. And I know that God, uh, about a year ago, I've been, and maybe longer than that, It might, you know, it's hard to remember when you get these things. But I began to see, and I'm just going to put this out here in the church because I don't think I ever really have. Um, you may have heard me pray about it. So you you might kind of know, but I just began to think we need, and I, this was before I even knew about International House of Prayer. I didn't know about that, but I began to think we're supposed to have a house dedicated to prayer. It's been longer than a year because I was, I've been just every once in a while driving around looking for longer than that, that we're supposed to have a central location place. Miss Jean's smiling. Did you already know this? Hallelujah. A central location place because you know we're out here. Hallelujah, a central location place that's dedicated to prayer. Well, now I don't have a clue how that could happen. And I don't, you know, and but I know that, you know, training leaders for prayer, because I know I can't pray 24 hours a day. I got to have my sleep, folks. And so, uh, hallelujah. So I know that, you know, that this is, this is a, this is a, this is going to be a call of God. If God continues with this, that's going to affect this whole church and the whole county. This was not about us, our church having a place to prayer because see, in this International House of Prayer and in the, oh, and then I got Benny Johnson's book on the Happy Intercessor. Oh, I got so excited because she said the Lord spoke to Bill about three years ago and said, you need to build a prayer house. 
And so on their property, they built a prayer house that's open 24 hours a day. And uh, they come and they pray in the prayer house. And they do it one way. And I have some ideas about how we're supposed to do it. But, you know, it's like God, you know, I, I'm believing for big things. Amen. And so uh, I don't know how we would do it. And obviously there's, uh, but I've wondered sometimes and it might be that that's part of the property that's going to be given. Who knows? That could be. And, you know, and see also I've been praying and well, Pastor and I about three or four years ago heard this of host a move of God in Alabama. And so, um, and so I'm praying about that, hosting a move of God. And we had ideas of what that was supposed to be. But I'll just put this out there and say, maybe, I don't know. But the other day I was praying, and it's like those two sentences came together in my prayers. And I'd never heard it that way or seen it that way before. I said, host a move of God in prayer in Alabama. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even tell Pastor this yet. I didn't know that those two might go together, although it makes sense. Amen. Now, I've started to tell you this. It's not about our church praying, but it's about providing a place because in these prayer things that are going on in a, uh, all over the earth now, there's this huge amount of young people, I would say high school, college age, up to about 30, that are just laying in the floor in the presence of God, just praying, they don't, they're not thinking about, oh, I've got a career. They, we've got a generation now that says, I ain't even going to think about a career. I'm going to do the work of God. He'll provide for me. Hallelujah. And I'm going to give my life to Jesus. We've got a generation now that's doing that all over the United States of America, all over the earth. They'll go anywhere God says to go. They'll go to Disneyland and work miracles. You can go on the li online and you can watch the, the mir how miracles broke out at Disneyland in California because this guy was just dreaming one day with God, this young man, and he thought, wonder what it'd be like to have a revival at Disneyland. And so he, he's just messing around with his friends because you know how young people are and just messing around. And somebody gave him uh, two or three tickets to Disneyland. And so they said, well, let's just go see. And so they went down there and they, you know, and here's how they do it. If you've got on a brace or a cast, you are open game. They are coming after you if you have any paraphernalia on that indicates you've got a problem. Hallelujah. And so they just found the first person that had a little brace or a cast or something on, and they just go up to them, and, and you know, and so, and they just say, uh, you know, they're just bold, and they just say, you know, uh, Jesus can heal that, and, you know, and have, did you ever think about, I don't know what all they said, but they don't say a lot. They don't, they don't really win them to the Lord. They don't go, now, would you like to get saved and then get you healed? No, they go and bring the power of God. And so, and this is online. You can watch it on video. And so this little girl, and of course, these people are not Christians. They're not even close to Christians. And so she is screaming, and every other word is bleep. Bleep, bleep, because she is just, because she's gotten healed, she can feel the power of God on her. Amen. And then they toss, the, then they lead them in salvation and, and so forth. And some of the kids were already saved. And, but all of a sudden they get, you know, they get 50 or 60 people. It's actually four videos on YouTube. Um, and, uh, they get 50 to 60 people healed in an hour, all young people mostly, and uh, right there in a food court in Disney World. 
Hallelujah. So we got a generation of young people, and, and, and God, God knows where, where we live, folks. And we got a whole bunch of young people that God wants to move on, but we gotta, we got to pray ourselves to the place we're prepared for. Amen. So, uh, uh, hallelujah. And our God has power. Our God has power. And we have got to become demonstrators of that power. I was telling Annette before the service that uh, I don't need God to, I don't need any more teaching on Jesus is the healer. I know that. I, ain't, I don't need any more convincing that Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. My Lord, we know that. What we got to find out from God through prayer, and I'm believing Him, and I'm praying, and I'm asking Him to send people that know these things. Uh, and and um, I've even typed out a letter. Hadn't got my nerve up yet to send it. I've typed up a letter inviting Bill Johnson to Word of Life Church. And boy, I, I put my powers of persuasion in it. And I have got some. I got favor on, and I put some persuasiveness in it. Boy, I sold him. I sold him that this is the place he ought to be. Now, uh, he, I think he actually has been down Daphne, Alabama. But I told him how that I was from Texas, so this wasn't what I thought, but that Tuscaloosa was the premier city of all Alabama. I believe that. I said, now, that's not what I say. I'm a Texan. I'm not trying to sell you on my hometown, you know. But uh, something to that effect. But, you know, I have, now, see, I have precedence for this. Because one time, way back in the 80s, um, and I got bold. Willie George sent a, Willie George's wife. What's her name? Danine. Daliva. Daliva George sent us a letter. Now this was when Willie was still a children's minister. He wasn't even a pastor. And he, they, she sent us a letter and said Willie just went to Africa on a missions trip, and he was really discouraged when he left. So I'm his wife, and I'm asking you to to send an offering so that when he gets back, he's encouraged. So we just said, can we do that? So we just dug way deep. And this was deep in the 80s, I can tell you. And I believe we sent him $500. And, and on the letter, she said, and if we can ever do anything for you, just let us know. I thought, well, you okay, you can. And so I sent the $500 offering and I said, well, you said if we can ever do anything for you, just let us know. So I'm asking you to ask your husband to come to Seminole, Texas and have a children's crusade. Well, you know, about a six weeks rocks by. Do you remember Willie George coming? Hallelujah. He was a little boy. Anyway, about six weeks rocks by. And uh, hallelujah. And we get this letter. We got a call. Did we get a call? We got a call from Willie George or one of his staff members, not him. And just say, well, Willie, he's going to be in Fort Worth and, and we could fly in and we could land there. Do you have an airport? Yeah, we got an airport. Okay, we could fly in, we could land and we could do a Sunday at evening uh, crusade, kids crusade. And we said, oh, good, praise the Lord. So Willie George is coming. Oh, man, we're so excited. Oh, we, so we get all ready for the kids' crusade. We had 300 kids. We had to move out all the, because people from other cities heard Willie George was coming. And that was back when people was more hungry. And so, and they were hungry for their kids to have the Word of God. And so that we had to clear out the chairs because there wasn't room to sit them in chairs. We just set that little beehive all on the ground. Oh, I'm telling you, it was the most, it was like squirming, 
a mess of worms. Hallelujah. All over the floor. Because you know a kid can't sit still. But oh, it was good. It was so good. We had that. And so we raked everything together we had. And of course, he had flown an airplane in. And I'm sure this wasn't a great offering. And he saw us. We're in our little storefront. And it was not, it used to be a former pool hall. It had a, a brown ceiling and it had custic holes where they would do their, and so it had little holes. Of course, you might not know what they were, but we knew they were acoustic holes. And we had beautiful red carpet in it because we put out really nice carpet. In fact, last time we were there, uh, and that's been 20-something years ago, the red carpet was still going. had two Mexican food restaurants and all number of other things on it. I forget what it is now. It's something different. It's a smoke shop now. Now they're selling cigarettes, hallelujah, and cigars, hallelujah. Uh, uh, but anyway, so I'm sure he looked around and thought, oh, my. Oh, and you know, we had, the, we had a nursery. Our nursery, there was no bathroom. We had a porta potty behind the screen. Uh, after the service, there's no restaurants open in Seminole. Actually, we didn't have many restaurants in Seminole, but there's nothing open but the Burger King, not Burger King, uh, Burger Loft. Burger Loft. Hallelujah. So we have to take Willie George and his team to the Burger Loft. But you know they're so gracious. They act like they love it. They just get up and play all the pinball machines. You know. And uh, we eat the hamburgers and they, uh, they get on their plane fly back to Tulsa. And we gave him, I think, $1,000 is what I'm thinking, is that we actually gave him $1,000. And that was, boy, that was believing God. I know he knew we was believing God because when he left, he, he brought a book table and he just left us everything on the book table. And then when he got back to Tulsa, he just gave us, he sent us the, he just wrote us a check back for the amount of the offering. He was like, I know he looked and said, these people need it worse than I do. I'm thoroughly, hallelujah, praise God. But see, you know, just getting out there bold and asking. So I've already done this once, and so I, 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 I wrote another letter the other day, and me and Pastor are meditating on it, hallelujah. I don't know why I told you all that. Uh, praise God. Well, let's just, I tell you what, I'm feeling kind of through. So let's get our offerings out. Everybody start getting out your offering. Oh, help me, Lord. Rushers start uh, getting out an envelope for them if you hadn't already got one. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have to buy one of those big fans at Sam's, you know, that's big and round. Set it right there to blow on me the whole time I'm preaching. <laughs> I praise God. That way it won't have to blow on any of y'all because y'all are cold and I'm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now, hmm. Seemed like there was one other thing. See, our God's powerful. Our God's very powerful. And we just start, we just got to start giving him opportunities to demonstrate his power instead of thinking he probably wouldn't. No, he will. He will. Hallelujah. He wants to demonstrate his power. Hallelujah. And I just want you to notice there in uh, Acts 4, I mean Acts 2 where we were reading, it says, that, and and. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by, the, by God, and all that believed were together and had all things common. Right? Right? Look at your Bible. What does it say? No, what does it say? Look at your Bible. That's Acts, 4, Acts 2, 2.43. What does it say? Anybody see any difference in what I said and what that says? Is pastor the only one catching this? I said, and many wonders and signs were done by God. And what does that say? 
done by the apostles. See, I think we've sat back too long wanting God to do the miracles. And who does them? We do. We do. We do the miracles. And it's called, in the gifts of the Spirit there in 1 Corinthians, it's called what? The working of miracles. It's not miracles. It's not the gift of miracles. It's the working of miracles. It, you have to work them. And so you have, to, you have to work with people, helping them get their miracle, and it's you that does the working. Of course, we know it's not our power, but we don't just stand back and say, now God, do this. But we get out there and we, we, we just get out there. We get out there. Mark, I was telling Nanette about Mark Barclay. On his, he, I recently heard this on a CD. He was sitting by Islamic or Hindu. I don't know which. In the, I can't remember which, but in, the, in an airplane. And so Mark's reading his Bible. This Hindu guy's reading something. I think it was his book, whatever that is. And uh, he's reading it, and somehow he could see that guy looking out of the corner of his eye. And so finally, he just kept, he finally said something. And so he, he's like, well, you know, and I don't know how the conversation progressed, but it got to the point where Mark said, uh, well, I just tell you what, let's have a contest right now, right now between my God and your God. And he said, this is what we'll do. You pray, do anything you want to, and, and, and we'll see if God, if, we, if either one of us feel anything. And then I'll pray and we'll do the same thing. But you, So you go first. You go ahead. Do anything you want to. Pray. I don't care if you sing, chant, whatever you want to do. You do it and we'll see if... So he did his stuff and nothing happened. And he did it, you know, some more and nothing happened. And finally, Mark looked over and said, do you feel anything? And he said, no. He said, I don't either. He said, well, now it's my turn. And so he said he barely started to pray. Father, and all of a sudden that guy starts crying. See, uh, but it's, it, God had to have somebody put it out there and say, okay, God. And so that guy starts crying. And he's crying and he's shaking. And Mark's just sitting there, you know, watching him. And he said, uh, so I, I guess you felt something. And he said, he said, okay, you win, you win, you're go you win. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so then he ended up getting the guy saved. Amen. And so forth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's receive these Sunday night. Uh, Sunday night. Woo! That might have been prophetic. Hallelujah. Let's receive these Wednesday night tithes and offerings. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We praise you, Lord God. Lift them up. We thank you for the seed you've given us to sow. We. Th